Hey everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, September 20th, 2015. I don't even know where to begin to express my puzzlement over Phyllis's budding relationship with Ian Ward. Where is the Phyllis that we all know? Uh, what have you done with her? Because the woman that I'm seeing on my screen this week, picking flowers in the forest, being mellow, looking up at the stars, that's not the Phyllis that I know at all. She's striking up this weird friendship with a stranger, Fred, <laughs> aka Ian Ward. She seems to have developed this total trust in this person that she doesn't know. It doesn't sound like like Phyllis. It doesn't even hardly look like Phyllis. She's uh, seeming happy and emotional and I'm sure that I could chalk that up to uh, her having just been through this insane experience with Marco. And I mean shoot, it hasn't even been that long since she's come out of that coma. So I suppose I could rationalize it and come up with reasons why Phyllis is being this mellow, but it just, it's, there's some about it that's striking me as so absolutely bizarre. I mean, I, I I will say there are things I like, things I don't like about what's going on here. The thing I like the most is Ian Ward. Um, I, I, I like the actor. I like the character. I can't see how on earth she could ever look in this guy's eyes and trust him. I, I would, it would never even occur to me because there's something about him that just exudes evil. He's got this smile on his his face, but the look in his eyes, it's crazy. Why is she not realizing this? Um, I, I, I love though, kind of watching the unfolding because at the beginning of the week, I didn't know for sure if Ian knew who she was. He is working under an assumed identity, coming up with this whole story about he's lost his wife, so he's living in this trailer in the woods, writing a book about her, and trying to uh, write down his memories of, of his beloved dead wife before they leave him. And he's got this, he's waxing sentimental, and Phyllis is just absolutely lapping it up and I'm thinking, you know, is, is, is Ian just sort of doing this because he's being Ian Ward, he's being the cult leader, he's used to roping people in, or does he have any idea who she is? And she, you know, up until the point where she invited him to dinner, again, another, another thing that doesn't even seem very Phyllis-like, eating eating, ugh, eating that slimy lake fish, <laughs> like letting a stranger into the cabin to fix her up this slimy fish. <laughs> I'm just not, who is this woman? She's spending all this time at the cabin. Um, it just, it, it all just doesn't add up. But even up until that point, I wasn't sure, even though, uh, you know, that she, you know, I wasn't sure that he knew who Phyllis actually was, that she's, that she's Phyllis Newman, that she's married to Jack, and little by little, I did enjoy the, un, the unfolding or the big reveal, uh, realizing, oh yes, oh yes, he knows exactly who she is, and it may very well be part of a larger plan, it may just be uh, that he sort of enjoys messing with people, uh, and, and I don't know. I don't know exactly what his intentions are, but how do you even begin to understand a madman? Ian doesn't have any particular grudge against Jack. I think Phyllis is just a little bit of a cherry on top. He sort of bumbled into this quote-unquote friendship with her, and he's probably just sadistically enjoying kind of messing with her. Now, for her part, I don't know why she is so just obsessed with him at this point. I, I don't know if it's thinking about the fact that he's someone who lost his wife and, want, you know, just sort of wanting to connect in with the softer side of, of herself, uh, seeing something in, in him that she can identify with, but she's eating up every lie he serves Almondine. I mean, she might, she might as well be going, mm, mm, this lie is delicious. Give me seconds. Do you have any more? She's just loving it. I mean, she is totally, like, even when she's not at the cabin and she goes back to Genoa City and she's talking with Jack, she's still thinking about him. In her mind, this is her new friend 
I don't know if there's a part of her that wants to kind of save him or, you know, help him in some way, but it's, it's kind of borderline obsession. I don't know what on earth she could be thinking walking around in the woods in her high heels, by the way. I'm pretty sure she was wearing high heels walking around in the woods, like not only just wandering around in the woods, but coming upon some, ugh, trailer and just knocking on the door and going inside. I wouldn't be caught dead voluntarily waltzing into some creepy old guy's trailer in the woods. <laughs> Hello, Phyllis. I, I, I asked this question last week and I'll ask it again. Has Phyllis never seen a single episode of Dateline? Ugh, <laughs> the percentage of murders that happen in, in creepy old trailers in the woods has got to be extremely high. Uh, it's just, it's murder central. Uh, he's not only sitting in this trailer plotting his revenge, but apparently Ian Ward is kind of a computer genius now, which I wouldn't have expected. I don't know why he had that extra hacker in the trailer when it was first revealed that uh, he was behind the Paragon Project or working uh, on the Paragon Project, but apparently he's very good at getting in on the uh, on the back end and looking at the systems now that the Paragon uh, virus has been uploaded onto the Newman and the Abbott systems. And I really do have to give it up to Anna. She had called into my voicemail, not even this week, it was last week. I think it was um, at the end of last week. And she had totally called the fact that the, what the Paragon Project actually is is, is a virus that gets in there and inflates the sales and makes both companies think they're doing better than they were. And I didn't get, I totally, that I didn't catch that right off the bat, but we saw Ashley uh, saving the company $2 million through some old shipping receipt thing. And then this week we're seeing uh, Newman Enterprises, specifically Chelsea's line, and, and, and I'm, I'm assuming all of the lines just skyrocketing in sales. Both companies are doing so, so well. And I'm kind of thinking that the point is to build up the companies to maybe lull them into a false sense of security, uh, only to bring down the hammer uh, and and just, I guess, watch all of the, the, the rubble. <laughs> um, but it is presenting some interesting dynamics. And I will say, I am kind of enjoying the Abby versus Victoria feud. I'd love to hear how you guys are feeling about that. I, I'm, tr I'm trying. I'm trying to accept Abby. She's, she's been a tough character for me to get into because I just have a hard time relating to her. There's nothing specifically that I can point to that it's like, oh, okay, I get her. I get her motivation. I understand who she is. Um, she's, she's, she's definitely better than she was in the first, or excuse me, in the beginning. I like that is putting her into more of a power position and letting her, um, you know, flourish or at least attempt to. I guess I just wish that this Abby were more fierce, you know, but then again, I guess we get that in Victoria. I still feel like Victoria could chew Abby up and spit her out at any point that she wants to, but maybe it's a nice dynamic seeing somebody like Victoria who is experienced and in control, supposedly, uh, versus someone like Abby who tends to kind of bumble into <laughs> her greatness. I mean, it's easier to, to empathize with her this these days, but it's still a little bit hard to believe that she's some business shark. Then again, all of these successes that Newman Enterprises is experiencing, that Chelsea's line is experiencing, it's all part of this virus. So none of it's it's real. Everybody is thinking they're doing such a great job, and it's really Ian Ward sitting in his trailer, hacking away, singing crazy songs <laughs> of just, again, sadistic joy, watching these people feel so good about how great and smart and rich they are, only to destroy, to know that he's going to tear them down uh, and, and absolutely annihilate both businesses. Uh, his little song was certainly enjoyable. Uh, but it, it, 
I don't hate the Paragon Project thing. I mean, I guess I'm, I don't know, I think some people maybe have not enjoyed this part of the story or twist in the story. I'm sort of getting the impression. But I do, I, I like it. I think it's created some interesting dynamics. Uh, again, I really like Abby versus Victoria. Victoria is insecure at this point and it's a little bit surprising because she kind of has everything she wants except she's no longer seen as the sole daughter of Victor Newman who is uh, able to produce able to flourish within uh, uh, Newman Enterprises and specifically in daddy's eyes so Victoria is kind of getting to the point where she's desperate I mean she's just reconnected with Billy uh, I think that's everything that she's wanted for so long and yet she is kind of running scared uh, because of Abby, because of someone like Abby. Maybe um, maybe that's part of it, because Abby shouldn't be a threat. And yet Victoria is threatened by her. It was kind of interesting that Victoria took the time to go and visit Ben this week and sort of nudge him in the direction of, hey, Abby's getting a little too serious on business. Maybe you need to help calm her down, give her something else to focus on, which was completely passive aggressive and Ben saw through it. But at the same time, he took the advice and he surprises Abby with this romantic dinner. And I tell you, I... <sighs> it's it's tough. You guys tell me how you're feeling about Abby, because she's definitely a character that's been pushed into the foreground a lot more recently, and I want to know if you guys are buying it. I, I'm, I'm totally loving her business attire. I have to give major props to whoever's doing the styling for Abby, because every time she walks into a room, I'm, I'm loving what she's wearing. That She was wearing this white suit jacket this week with this delicate white blouse underneath, and it was partnered with this kind of chunky-looking... Uh, gray skirt. Uh, it was just on point. The whole outfit looked good. I, I love her style. And I also just in general appreciate that Abby's inexperience and enthusiasm ruffles Victoria's feathers, just gets up under her skin and annoys Victoria to no end. And Victoria, I think, is at her best when she's being icy and entitled. Okay, I'm completely shocked that Ian Ward knew he was working with Adam. At the very end of last week's show, uh, Chelsea had grabbed Adam's phone and said his name out loud over the phone, and I thought that that was Chelsea accidentally tipping off Ian Ward to the fact that he wasn't working with Gabriel Bingham, that he was working with Adam Newman, but then Adam goes out to the trailer to meet with Ian, and Ian didn't seem shocked at all. It was just uh, known that he was working with Adam, and that is that is so surprising to me, because what Adam has kept as a tight, tight secret, his identity... <laughs> is now in the hands of the wrong man. I find it hard to believe that Adam would ever reveal himself to Ian Ward, of all people. So I'm thrown by that. I wish that Weinar would go back and explain that. And just in general, how on earth did Adam and Ian Ward come into contact with one another? And why would Adam need Ian to do any of this? Obviously, Ian got out of prison as part of his part of the deal, but what does Adam even need with someone like Ian Ward? And I don't know. I don't get it. Um, Adam is... <sighs> He's confusing me this week, too. I'm not going to lie to you. He's double-crossing both the Newmans and the Abbots. He's in, I think he's enjoying it in sort of, sort of a sadistic joy sort of way, too, probably on a lower level. But it isn't until he realizes that Chelsea's line, now titled Chelsea 2.0, as if that's some genius <laughs> title, by the way. I mean, I get that they can't keep calling it Chelsea by Jabot, but... I think when Abby, uh, Abby was the one that changed the line's name and she said something like, Chelsea by Jabot is so 1990s. And it's like, 
2.0. You think that's not 1990s? You think that's better? It's a, it's a horrible name for a line. No, thank you. Uh, but anyway, Adam realizes in all of this awesome manipulating and, and, and ooh, working on my plan that Chelsea's line is, is in the line of fire that you know they're inflating her numbers too inflating her ego making her feel really great about the sales about her status as a fashion designer I mean Chelsea's getting pumped 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 onto this pedestal and Adam knows that she's ultimately going to fall with the rest of them so I ask you guys Adam is different from Victor how exactly Please tell me. And that's coming from an Adam fan. But this, what Adam is doing right now is such a Victor thing to do. I mean, I suppose we're seeing this week that all of his children are exactly like him in one way or the other. But Adam's motive is win at all costs. That's what he sees. The, the finish line is all he sees. Damn the consequences. Damn who gets hurt. Did he even think about the fact that Chelsea would be caught up in all of this? Because the Paragon Project was always going to be uploaded onto the Newman system and the Jabot system. So whether Chelsea was working at Jabot or Newman, I mean, certainly he couldn't have predicted that her line would have gotten um, snatched by Victor. But either way, Chelsea's company was going to be caught up in this whole mess. So how exactly is he different from Victor in that way? I mean, he goes to Ian and he asks uh, him to keep Chelsea out of it, but he still opened this can of worms. And that's the exact same thing that Victor would have done. Victor would have opened the can of worms, realized that, uh-oh, uh, Nikki's caught up in the middle of this. I'm going to do everything I can to keep her safe. But it's still, the can of worms is still open. It was still your revenge, your, you know, your, your personal need that caused all of this this. I mean, I feel like at the very, very least, you have to admit that Adam is on the trajectory of becoming like Victor. Because frankly, Victor doesn't try to hurt the ones that he loves. They're just casualties of his endless war. Adam also dupes Kevin into deciding to share information between Newman Enterprises and Jabot. Since Victor and Jack are trying to gather up info but keep it from one another, Adam's working for Jabot, Kevin's working for Newman, and they decide that they're going to partner up and try to share information to save both companies. Yeah, right. Kevin doesn't know he's working with Adam. He thinks he's working with Gabriel Bingham, and he's so wrong on this. Kevin is going to get so screwed at the end of all of this, and the only one who sees it is Mariah. She tried warning him. You don't know really who you're messing with here. Victor has a long laundry list of things that he's done, which I appreciated. By this way, there was this brief little scene uh, at the Underground this week where uh, I think it was Marissa, Noah, and Abby and uh, uh, Kevin and Mariah were in the underground kind of talking about Victor's laundry list of dirty deeds and they took it all the way back. I mean, they, were, they talked about him having his daughter arrested on her wedding day. Um, gosh, uh, Marissa getting paid off by, uh, by Victor. And I think the, the end-all be-all was Mariah mentioning that Victor hired her to gaslight Sharon into thinking that her dead child was still alive. I mean, I mean, we're trying to get over this whole Marco thing. We're still, you know, and how horrible it was that Victor did what he did to Phyllis. But frankly, what he did to Sharon in that moment, hiring Mariah to impersonate Cassie and completely throw Sharon off of the track of sanity, that is, it's, it's equally as bad. I mean, ultimately, Victor does these bad things, but in his head, he thinks he's doing it for a completely justifiable reason. Adam kind of doing the same thing right now, just saying. But <laughs> Mariah's trying to give Kevin this reality check about working with Victor, and he's going to end up just, again, another casualty of war. Now, Kevin and Mariah <laughs> this week. I cannot wait to hear what you guys have to say about this, because it's clear that 
Mariah and Kevin have a connection. They have a friendship. And they decided last week that maybe it's time to take their friendship to the next level of being lovers. I mean, they're already living together. It's clear there's a little bit of a chemistry. Uh, but it completely fell flat. Maybe maybe because of the pressure, I suppose. Um, Marissa gives Mariah some advice on how to seduce Kevin, who, by the way, it was completely clueless. It was hilarious. But Mariah gets a room at the club and she comes out in her little sexy number, but she feels uncomfortable wearing whatever she's wearing. And it's clear that she's not sure of herself. And Kevin just didn't see this coming. They've been friends for so long. So they decide to have sex, which is sort of, I mean, it shouldn't necessarily be a cerebral decision. And I think they kind of made it as a, we should have sex instead of we want to have sex with one another. And so the whole thing was so awkward, which is just like in reality. I mean, anybody who has ever had awkward sex was probably cringing during it because not all sex, especially, you know, in soap land, also all, not all sex is like passion and romance and perfect. And in soap land, it usually is. So I did appreciate the fact that YNR gave us that incredibly awkward moment. Uh, and in the aftermath too. They gave us the day after where both Mariah and Kevin are to their to each other's faces saying, oh yeah, I really enjoyed that sex. That was good. But behind each other's back, they're both thinking, that was awful. <laughs> and rather than just keeping it to themselves, they did come together and address it and say, that sex was awful. Let's never do that again. So, whoa. I mean, I laughed at the fact that Mariah called him out on the ear thing that he does. She was like, yeah, don't do that. It's not good. People were probably just telling you that that was a good move. Because, you know, it, it was just funny because, like, people have their bag of tricks, you know, of, of moves that they got in bed. And it was funny to think about Kevin having his ear track. And, and then he called Mariah out on her growl. <laughs> Or, or she calls it a purr. It was really, really funny uh, to see them kind of uh, clash a little bit there, but also really sad. So th they left it on a note of, we're never going to do that again. Let's not pressure this anymore. And I almost wonder if that was YNR's answer to the viewers. Maybe the viewers were wanting Mariah and Kevin to be together, but maybe um, YNR had other plans for them both individually. Uh, so, I, I mean, Or is this just all still part of the foreplay? I'm not sure, but I, I guess I'm, I, I, I love a good friendship on YNR, certainly, but the fact that Mariah and Kevin would remain just friends is a little bit of a letdown. What? Marissa's husband crawls out of the woodwork this week? I, how... How did I not see a casting update or something about this? That came out of complete left field for me. I mean, where has this guy been for all of these months that we've seen her on the show anyway? He he marches into the underground and declares that he's looking for his wife. And, you know, there's sort of a secrecy between Marissa and him and uh, a sort of a, a note in the air of, uh, we, we're married technically still, and I didn't tell Noah about any of this, but I can't, uh, but I, Marissa can't stand him, and he just really, really wants her, and apparently has been looking for her for who knows how long. I mean, was he looking for her while she was sailing around on a pirate boat in, in Peru? Like, it's, Marissa's story is so confusing, and it just keeps getting bigger and more complex. I mean, I, I, in a way, I feel like I just need to forget about the fact that Marissa was ever on that boat, that she was ever in Peru or anything, because it almost doesn't seem uh, consistent with the rest of the story. So I feel like, okay, okay. Okay, let's just all close our eyes, <laughs> count backwards from three, and when we open our eyes, <laughs> Marissa is, was, and always will be just another American girl. <laughs> oh, man. 
But I don't know. Apparently, he's from some powerful Spanish family, uh, and he's dangerous. Um, and I, I, I guess, I guess it's fine. Um, I, I'm surprised by the husband element. It feels like it came a little bit out of left field. But I guess that Noah and Marissa need some kind of conflict now that Marco is gone. Um, and and I do, I guess I do like that Marissa's story keeps evolving. We definitely do keep learning more and more about her. She, you know, it's almost like we picked up on Marissa's story at a point in her life where she was just deciding to be good, just deciding to get on the up and up, and everything up until that, she was just a bad, bad girl. Um, so I, I, I think there's still a lot to learn about her. So I, I'm, I'm for it. I'm for the husband twist. Uh, plus, it could be a really, really hot triangle, because <laughs> I think that Marissa and Luca, the husband name. Um, I thought they had a good chemistry. They look like they would go together. Um, somebody said they look uh, more like brother and sister, which is probably true, but seeing them in the scene together for the first time, I thought, yeah, you know, I mean, that that could be kind of hot, except it seems like he's just being all bad guy, but Lionar could turn him into a good guy on a dime. Um, but I think the other interesting potential for this is that Noah needs a rival. I kind of like the idea of Noah standing up, getting some chops, and maybe rescuing Marissa in some way, or, I don't know, doing something. I was a little bit disappointed that immediately the Luca factor became just another thing for Victor and Jack to fight about. I would have rather seen YNR let Noah be the one to focus on this. Let him be, take the, the lead on figuring out who this guy is. Maybe, I mean, having half a brain, realizing that the conversations Marissa and he and Luca are having, and conversations that he's had with Luca directly don't quite add up. It seems a little suspect. I would have rather seen Noah, like, I don't know, do something instead of just being completely blissfully ignorant. But instead... Uh, Jack and Victor, well, Marissa goes to Jack, so Jack goes to Victor, and they start talking about what a danger this guy is. He's from the Santori family in Spain, and they've got a lot of power and influence, and if this, and it was Marco who tipped Luca off to where Marissa is, and if Luca is in any way connected to Marco, then that's bad news for Victor and Jack. So, um, Victor shows up right at Luca's hotel room. He just decides to take this bowl by the horns. Guess who's there at the time? Marissa just finished tossing a drink in Luca's face and telling him off. I don't want to be with you. Leave me alone. Um, but Luca apparently has some kind of crazy obsession with her. He manages to let her leave the room so that he can have this moment alone with Victor and shoot! The guy, I have to say, I kind of like the actor because it was sort of, it was just sort of a chilling moment where he reached over, grabbed this little bell that was on the table, and these like two huge thugs just materialize behind him. I mean, they were just waiting on the deck for his little bell ring and if he needed them. And there was something chilling about that. Like, this is a man who all he has to do is ring this tiny little bell and he's got backup thugs. <laughs> That'd be nice to have, right? Backup thugs. <laughs> I mean, I was a little afraid for Victor in that moment because Victor is straight up outnumbered and and even outmatched. This is not who Victor needs to be. Victor doesn't need to be a mob guy, YNR. He doesn't need to have thugs too. He's a businessman. That's what he is. He does business. He doesn't need to get involved in this whole international intrigue thing. I don't want this to be like General Hospital and Victor's sunny. No thanks. I'm going to pass on that. So let's pull it back. Let's let Noah get up into this storyline instead of Victor and Jack. Um, ugh, I just don't want to see it. I don't want to see Victor get hurt, although I'm sure he would end up being victorious. That's what he does. Uh, but Victor is definitely and understandably suspicious of Marissa. She's the one that kind of brought Luca into town. It's another element of danger that he's going to have to deal with. So he makes a point to talk to Marissa. So rude. And he tells her to use her assets to get Luca out of town. Do what you gotta do. Do your thing. Use your assets. <laughs> Which I also, I kind of like that that's 
Marissa's superpower. <laughs> She's like Captain Sex over here or something. That's what she does. It will lull you into a false sense of security. <laughs> and then she just like brings the, you know, brings down the fury or whatever. Um, you know, I, I still do like Marissa's character. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm, again, I'm forgetting that she was ever anything else except for the day she stepped foot on Genoa City soil is the day her story uh, began. I think uh, it's obvious though that Marissa likes dangerous men. She was married to this uh, Luca guy, and then she leaves one dangerous man for another dangerous man, a drug dealer, a South American drug dealer in Marco. So maybe that's why she's drawn to Noah at this point. He is innocent. Sharon knows that she's not pregnant, and yet she tells Mariah exactly the opposite. Mariah's the only one who knew her secret, that she actually miscarried the child. This week, she has an appointment with the doctor. The doctor straight up tells her, you are not pregnant, and she's obviously devastated in that moment, but it was like one scene later, she talks to Mariah and says, good news, I'm pregnant. And I'm so confused by what Sharon's state of mind is right now. Is she willfully lying to Mariah to throw her off the scent? I mean, nobody's, now that, that Mariah thinks Sharon is pregnant, nobody thinks otherwise. She can successfully pull off whatever she's intending to pull off with Without anyone being the wiser or is Sharon completely disconnected from reality at this point you guys are gonna have to let me know what you think about that and maybe it's a little bit of both I don't know I don't know what to think of Sharon this week except that she looked amazing on I think Thursday and Friday's show she had on this um yellow black and white lace top it had a, like a black front panel yellow sleeves and then there was this two lace panels that connected the two and then I think in the back it might have been all lace too I don't know it looks so good I love that it was just I wish I could sew because that's kind of thing it seemed like you could just make it home but it was so cute um she looked good but she's bonkers man she is bonkers she has decided to check herself into a mental institution so Sharon is realizing that something's off with her. She even had a conversation with Nick where she was open uh, uh, with him saying that at first when she got pregnant, she went off her medication for a couple of days and she feels like that threw off her mental health and she is thinking about checking herself in to a, a mental hospital just to get back on track. But I don't know if that's true. I, I, I don't know what has come, you know, what things that come out of her mouth are true and what are not because I, we only saw that one scene, as far as I know, of her throwing away her medication. So, um, did she, did she actually go back to taking it after that, or is she totally off meds? I would say she's probably totally off meds, but then she has this moment of clarity enough to check herself into a mental institution. I'm, I'm shocked that she would do that. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't know if it almost to me sounds like she's just trying to get away for a couple of days or whoever knows how long so that she can figure out what she's going to do. There's a part of me that thinks that there is an element of her that knows that she's lying and needs to come up with some kind of ultimate manipulation to pull off this whole baby thing. It's insane to me and sad to me, but I appreciated that YNR noted this, that Sharon is checking herself in, not to any mental institution, oh no, but to Fairview, where the last time she was there, you know, she had her baby taken away from her by Adam. Ooh, were you guys, was everybody watching the show at that point? I'm sure that there are some newer viewers out there. Oh, the Adam, Sharon, Ashley baby switch story was, it was hard to watch. I mean, again, like, what could be, what could be worse than that? I mean, we turn around and forgave Adam and he's, you know, he's, he's, uh, you know, one of our favorite characters. He's certainly one of my favorite characters, but my God, that was horrible. He stole Sharon's baby. And I do even remember the scene where she was out of it. She was on meds and, oh, she was, she was just nuts. She, he stole Faith, uh, because he had accident, no, not even, I don't think it was accidentally. He was gaslighting Ashley. She, Ashley fell down the stairs at the Newman Ranch, lost her baby. And so Adam decided, 
decided to take Sharon's baby and give it to Ashley. Then Sharon turned around and married him later for it. So shoot, if Sharon can forgive him for it, I suppose we can. But I love that YNR brought that little piece of history up. It's insane to me that she's going to Fairview to a place where she lost another baby. She's going to lose her freaking mind. YNR is already setting the scene for Sharon's complete and total dissension into madness, I think, anyway. Um, and shoot, if you add in the Patty factor, we are, hit a, we are on the crazy train, ladies and gentlemen. We are on it. <laughs> oh my goodness, we saw Sharon get into the hospital this week. Um, and there was this weird moment of somebody watching her. <laughs> I didn't see it coming. I didn't know. I knew Patty was coming back, uh, but I didn't know when. And I was like, who's watching Sharon? And then all of a sudden it's revealed. We've got uh, Stacy Haddock, who last played Patty, who had plastic surgery to look like Emily. Um, but she's, 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 she's at Fairview, and she has this just brief little hi, Sharon moment. And I think that was near the end of Friday's show. So, I mean, not so terrific. I'm personally feeling pretty happy about Patty being there. I mean, I, I don't want to see Sharon. It's going to be hard to see Sharon go nuts. I'm not going to lie. But there is something about the Patty element that's exciting to me. I think it's going to cause some juice. I mean, I like being able to talk about the juice on the show, and I think it'll accomplish that. But I got to know how you guys are feeling about this, because I know as viewers, Sharon is kind of a divisive character and uh, we, you know the people who love her love her so much and I'm one of those people and the people who can't stand her cannot stand her. So what does it mean that Patty's back into the mix? Do you like Patty? Uh, I'm putting up a poll at yrchat.com. So go to yrchat.com and vote in the poll and let me know if you are glad to see Patty back because I want to kind of see how everybody is feeling about that and you'll be able to view the results and, 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 and let me know what you think about it you can leave a comment so I think the patty twist is a really interesting one and most importantly I think it shows that Sharon checking herself into Fairview had the intention of getting well I think she's there because she wanted to try to maybe get herself back on track and that's going to be important as the story kind of unfolds because now adding patty into this mix is a recipe for certain disaster. Poor Gwen's sister lost her name badge and almost lost her job because of it. And oh, hey, look, Neil found the name, the badge in the couch cushion. That's not suspicious at all. Neil, bro, you are like losing your smooth. <laughs> that was that was not slick. I know you think that you're pulling off this whole Hillary thing and stealing the stuff from the medical supply. You think you're good? It's, it's not good. <laughs> it was not slick. Um, Neil, man. Um, wow. It's like it's it's whole nother level there. Frankly, even though I I've enjoyed this storyline quite a bit. The fact that he sleeps with Gwen again, after doing this to her, doing this to her sister, and then when she questions him about it, says, you know, Neil, that was a little weird how you found that name badge in the couch where I totally looked. <laughs> he dumps her. She questions him. He dumps her. Uh, what a jerk. I mean, I, I just, whether or not he even meant to dog Gwen, I, and I can't even figure that out. He's still a jerk. I mean, I don't know if if he likes Gwen. I can't tell. I mean, Neil needs to check himself into Fairview because I feel like I don't totally understand where, you know, what he wants, where his head is, because it's a part of me that, you know, he said something about, you know, if Gwen and I would have met before you and I met Hillary, uh, he's talking to Hillary at her bedside, if Gwen and I would have met before I met you, Hillary, then maybe we could have had something special. But, you know, now everything post-Hillary is... is post-apocalyptic for him or something but so I kind of just think that maybe Gwen is just convenience and maybe he's just trying to keep her happy and I, but the thing that I, I'm I'm wondering is in the midst of all of this craziness that's happening and swirling around in Neil's head does he still love Hillary is that are you guys 
getting that at all. I mean, he, he definitely revealed last week that his intentions for helping her are to just nurse her back to health. That he didn't have anything to do with hurting her. He just wants her to get better uh, so that she can wake up and tell everybody what happened instead of uh, ending up getting uh, fingered for having done this. He doesn't want to end up having to take responsibility for it. Uh, and, but he seems so pained by the whole thing, which of course would be understandable. Um, but he, I just, there's an element uh, in it that makes me think that he still loves Hillary because betrayal and anger don't always just replace love in a heartbeat. Um, I just think maybe he does. You guys let me, let me know what you think about that too. Um, Gwen, thank you for having a brain. She goes to Devon and tells him that she's worried about Neil. She tells him about the name badge and the medicine cabinet and she thinks he's on drugs, which causes Devon to question Neil about that, of course. And Neil denies, denies, denies. But now we've got Dylan on the case. Esther tipped Dylan off to the fact that Colin is basically shady. So um, Dylan goes to Kevin for help uh, looking through Colin's credit card records. And they were able to find out that Colin had used his credit card to per- you know, to purchase these- this prostitute, this escort service. Dylan, junior detective, talks to the actual prostitute. And with absolutely zero probing, she gives it all up. Says that she didn't actually sleep with Devon. She was paid to let people believe that she slept with Devon and uh, I think completely indicated that it was Colin. So Dylan knows all about the video knows that Colin had something to do with it, but hasn't quite connected it to Neil yet. He goes to, to Neil and, and asks him about it. But again, Neil Neil's just being shady and then going, no, Jack, I didn't do anything like that. What do you think I am? You think I'm a junkie and you think I would do this and, and, and blackmail my son? And I don't know. He, but he, he admitted the fact that he knew about the video, but denies any involvement in anything Hillary related. Uh, so, but I guess that's what he needs to do what he has to do um man I don't know I just I don't even know what to think about it he goes back to the athletic club and again Gwen tries to question him about it and he tells her that he's been dishonest with her she she, Gwen gets the award for like the lamest slap ever that's the only thing I'm sure of of this week like I don't even I don't know hardly what Neil's thinking I don't know where it's going but I know that Gwen slapping Neil in the athletic club was the lamest slap ever then again uh Marissa slapping Luca was pretty lame too what happened to the big wind-up slaps that we used to get it seems like both of those were just meh I mean why bother slapping somebody if you're not gonna make it a good slap (laughs) um just very quickly I'll tell you who needed to be slapped this week Lily and Joe how I ask you could Lily let Joe anywhere near Kane's son Charlie the man almost broke up their marriage Kane and Michael get back from the Caribbean and Kane walks into the athletic club while Joe has Charlie in his arms. They're playing, they're running around. Charlie's calling, calling him Uncle Joe. Oh my gosh, I think that actually was probably the most awkward moment of the week. Even more awkward than Mariah and Kevin. Okay, I didn't get a chance to read comments last week. I was a little short on time, so I've got two pages of your comments to read this week. And on that note, I want to start out with a comment from Leanne on YouTube that I uh, actually, I think she left uh, maybe almost two weeks ago now, but I remembered the comment and I was like, I got to talk about that because she makes a good point. She says, Leanne says, I must say that I'm so surprised that you're loving this new storyline with Neil. I also like that this gives Christoph St. John the opportunity to showcase more of his full range of acting abilities but if it's real and not one of his elaborate fantasies at the time we weren't sure Uh, it's an older comment but it's just yet another story of one someone being held against their will 
two, in a bed, and three, in a dirty place. <laughs> hey, at least he's allowing her to be nursed back to health, right? Um, I just like that comment so much because it's so true. <laughs> I don't know why I connected in with the storyline so intensely at first. Now it kind of feels like the wheels are coming off of it a little bit for me. I, I've, I feel confused, maybe even a little annoyed that now Dylan is in on it. Uh, does he have to be in everything? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I think I maybe I enjoyed the idea of Neil being crazy a little more than now kind of revealing that he's not really that crazy. Um, okay, let's see. Connor oh, called into my voicemail and left like the single greatest comment that I've heard in so long. Um, just this is so astute. Connor says, Victor wants Chelsea and Connor in Genoa City because in Victor's mind... Adam is dead, which I think, by the way, is something we forget. And deep down, Victor misses his son. Connor is the only connection to Adam. And I just, I, I love that comment so much, Connor, because you know I'm always struggling to kind of understand where Victor is coming from. And I guess I forget that Adam is dead in Victor's mind and that Victor had to mourn him and hope is gone and Connor is the absolute only connection to that period of Victor's life to his son and so it kind of makes sense as to why he wants them there. Now Victor's methods of getting them to stay of course are ridiculous but um, yeah I just thought that was such an astute comment and by the way get well soon Connor. Connor hurt his foot and he's been hobbling along on crutches so you gotta get you gotta Connor you gotta stop doing those those karate chops you know, kicking those boards and breaking them in half, and you got to be careful with your foot. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He didn't really do that, but I'm imagining you're doing some kind of like, like crazy kung fu, and that's how you hurt yourself. So try to take it easy, my friend. Um, Aaron on YouTube says, poor Chelsea. I actually felt sorry for her this week. All she wants to do is live her life with the man she loves and their son, but she always looks so miserable lately. And I totally, I totally agree, Aaron. It's like Chelsea, in her mind, just wants to be happy. She wants to have her husband, her child, her, her fashion line. And it's Adam's constant need for revenge or constant need to be plotting that is getting in the way of that. Of course, it makes interesting drama. That's why we're watching the show. If everybody was happy, it wouldn't be as entertaining, I'm sure. But I, I connect in with Chelsea on that point, too. Um, Michelle called in and left me a voicemail that said, I'm angry at Jack this week, um, the way he's treating Ashley, and about the way Jack talked about Kelly. He pursued Kelly. He told Kelly that he loved her first. Very, very good point, Michelle, and something I didn't talk about yet was that little dinner with uh, Jack and Phyllis, and he was trying to, I suppose, reassure Phyllis uh, about, you know, whether or not, you know, again, yet again, Phyllis and her insecurity over when she was in the coma and the fact that Jack even allowed himself to get involved with Kelly, but Jack totally, totally downplayed his relationship with Kelly, and I caught it, too going on about, eh, I didn't really love her. Well, you did. <laughs> you found yourself completely falling in love with Kelly. And in fact, you were the one that pursued her. So it was a complete lie that he was telling uh, Phyllis. Um, Julie left a really good comment at yrchat.com saying, okay, crazy old Fred singing to Flight of the Bumblebee, I think. Chelsea uh, 2.0. That was awesome. <laughs> it it was the humorous it's the humorous moments that make me love the show even more i like it when a soap doesn't take itself too seriously i do too julie and i i was i was definitely uh, thrilled a little bit by his song it was it was just again it was just it was good writing it was light a little more lighthearted but still in that sadistic way kind of dorky but i liked it Oh my goodness, Aunt Daisy on Facebook <laughs> just leaves like the most, uh, sends me like the most incredibly intelligent and intuitive comments about the show. Uh, this is good. Ian is nuts. Why would Ian stop going after Nikki? He plotted to take her back for years. I don't see why he would stop now. Maybe Ian thinks Nikki is his deceased wife and will try to kill her to match what his delusional mind tells him. Then again, what about Mariah? Does he think he married her? I hope we get answers on that. I want to know how he got out of jail 
Abigail and got involved with Adam. Um, Daisy continues, I'm surprised that Ian knows Gabe is Adam. There are so many questions with this. I used to think Adam and Chelsea should get back together and live as Gabe and Chelsea, but Adam is so deep in his revenge, it's not worth it, uh, for not for Chelsea. I just can't believe Adam would bring back Ian Ward just to hurt his father. This will not affect Victor because Victor's, if Victor's business goes, then Victor will rise above that and start a new one. That's who Victor is. Ultimately, Chelsea, the employees, and the other people will be hurt, not Victor. Adam should realize this, but he's so lost in his hate, he can't see straight. Ugh, love that comment. It's exactly how I'm feeling, too. Even though I like the character of Adam, um, he's a villain. You know, who, who, shoot, I wish I had my emails pulled up because someone uh, last week when we were talking about villains said that Adam was their favorite villain, and I do think that he fits that bill. That makes sense. Um, and, and again, a villain doesn't have to just be the long cape uh, and, and mustache. I think um, Adam's kind of a multi-dimensional villain in a way, but but I think a lot of us want to see him as that romantic lead, and we've gotten that too. You know, we—he's not just straight, you know, black or straight white. Adam exists in the gray area, um, and I, you know, it is definitely surprising to me. Although, should it shouldn't again in this in the scheme of things, it shouldn't be surprising that Victor does the things he does. It shouldn't be surprising that Adam does the things that he does. I think we just wish them to be better, and 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 we end up disappointed in them. Um, Katie on Facebook says, Phyllis isn't a trusting person. She's not a naive person. She's guarded until you can prove her, until you can prove yourself to be trusted. And even then, she's not soft and giggly. She's even bold and serious with Jack and Summer. So why is she talking about love, stars, and personal matters with Fred the Friendly Fisherman? <laughs> the Phyllis I know would immediately think, stranger danger. <laughs> I could not have said that any better myself, and that made me laugh in the process, Katie. Uh, rocks, 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 rocks. No, rocks, 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 Grace on YouTube. I added an extra rocks. Um, says, Phyllis, not recognizing Ian Ward makes no sense whatsoever. I know she was in a coma at the time, but yes, he almost made Summer his victim. So, of course, Phyllis would have read all about it and would know what his face looks like. That's a major miss for me from this writing team. They obviously have no grasp on what the character on the character of Phyllis I forgot about that actually that the Ian Ward thing happened with Summer while Phyllis was in the coma maybe that's why YNR was trying to get us to talk about the coma again maybe they're trying to get us to remember that part I don't know um Gary left a voicemail saying can you imagine Phyllis of all people falling victim to the path <laughs> Wandering around Genoa City like a flower child in a trance. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking when she was picking flowers in the forest this week. It is almost like Ian's cult leader brainwashing powers are working on Phyllis, of all people crazy. Oh, I also liked um, Gary uh, had mentioned that on Thursday's episode, Jack was seen wearing a purple tie. And as we all remember during the Marco Victor, you know, twin fiasco, uh, Victor scolded, <laughs> I love this comment, scolded Jack, or scolded Marco for wearing a purple tie because Jack Abbott would never wear a purple tie. And then we saw him wearing one this week. That made me laugh. Um, also, uh, um, Gary had mentioned uh, about Sharon, and I think this is such a good point, and it's sort of uh, at the base of this storyline uh, and probably why we're going to have trouble with this. She, Gary says, Sharon is going to end up destroying Dylan with the lie when he would have been able to accept the truth. And th I think that's going to be the crux of maybe us getting annoyed with the storyline as it keeps going, because there's just no reason she couldn't have told Dylan she lost the baby. He loves her anyway. It's not, con it's, it was never a contingency of their relationship. So the fact that she's going to go to this insane length to cover up the fact that she miscarried is just, it's just not consistent. 
the only way YNR can uh, justify that is by just calling it crazy, throwing in crazy, for, and that's and I guess enter Patty. Um, Bobby on Facebook says, "What the heck? Did I accidentally skip an episode? Why is Sharon committing herself? Does she realize she's gone nutty again?" And I, I, I agree, Bobby. It came out of left field for me too. I mean, I thought, and, and I guess that's why I'm confused by Sharon right now too, because it's like, well, does she know she's nuts and she needs help, or is she actively plotting? Because I feel like I'm getting an equal mix of both. I don't know what's going on in her mind. Um, Eric, a.k.a. DippyFan100, called in and left a voicemail saying, oh, this is so good. I think Sage is going to have a breakdown and end up in Fairview 2. Sharon and Patty will become close, and Patty will grab that baby and give it to Sharon. Ooh, and then also uh, Eric had mentioned back in September 2009, that's the exact same thing that happened with Ashley and Sharon. So it's weird that it's happening again, same time of year uh, back from back in 2009, now happening again, 2015. But oh, you're so right, Eric. I never, ever had thought of that. So, uh, and that's probably exactly what it is because we're seeing Sage start to have these nightmares about Victor and she's getting so worried. Yep. She's going to end up in Fairview 2. The baby switch will ensue. Um, January uh, left a comment on YouTube <laughs> and said, Allie, I have to listen to YNR on my phone at work. <laughs> I can't watch it. Otherwise, I might be fired. So she's listening to it uh, instead of watching it. And then uh, January says, so I guess I never paid much attention to Marissa's voice. I heard you talking about the change on your podcast, basically how she went from having an accent to no accent. But today I noticed a woman's voice that I didn't recognize. So I had to pull my phone out of my pocket and see who it was it was marissa <laughs> such a change that i didn't even know it was her thank you i feel justified now for going on and on about marissa losing her accent so thank you very much now january don't get fired oh what's this it couldn't be yet another bar of Allie's homemade soap, could it? <laughs> yes, I think another Soap for Soap fans giveaway is in order. I got emails from both Brina and Amanda who won the last two bars of soap, and both of them said they really like it. So that made me so happy. Um, you guys are going to think I'm like a, a mad soaper, but I do have a stash because I, I love using my own handmade soap and if you haven't if you're new to YNR chat or you missed it the past couple of weeks um I have been doing soap for soap fan giveaways and uh just sending out one of my uh one of my bars at random so first let me tell you the soap that I have to give away this week this is uh called oatmeal milk and honey. Um, I create the base completely from scratch. It has, um, this one has coconut oil, canola oil, olive oil, and shea butter and uh, castor oil in it. Um, so they're all good, all natural oils. Um, it's cold processed, so it's been cured for four to six weeks, so it's nice and hard. Um, and this time I fragranced it with oatmeal, milk, and honey. And I really, f I can smell all three of those things. It's, a, it's kind of a mild scent. Um, you've probably smelled it in lotions and various other products at the grocery store. So it's kind of, I, I thought, well, this one's kind of gender neutral. I think a guy or a girl or anybody who just sort of loves luxury bath products might like this scent. And this one... I actually added a little bit of oatmeal to the top of the bar just to give it a little bit of a kind of a, a exfoliation, like a, a little bit of a scrub. I thought about blending it in through the actual bar, but I, I don't like having uh, real scrubby bars of soap because I use them in the shower. I'd like them to be creamy and bubbly. So the base of this is very creamy and bubbly. And then on the top, um, I put uh, just some oatmeal and it'll give it a little bit of scrub. And I'm using this right now in the shower and the oatmeal kind of stayed on there pretty good I mean it'll flake off eventually but it's been it, it's done a good job of kind of staying on there and giving a little bit of exfoliation and a little bit of moisturization so I like this bar I think that you guys will like it too it's very 
it's fragrant, but it is kind of mild too. I think um, guys or girls would like it. So now that I've told you the prize, <laughs> let me tell you what you can do to win it. Um, I kind of like just doing it a little bit at random and sending emails is sort of the easiest way for me to keep track of all of the entries. So I think what we'll do this week is kind of a community question here. I'm going to ask you guys a question and you send me an email, your answer, what you think, and uh, then I will enter you into the drawing for uh, next week. I'll draw one, draw a name at random for the people who've entered and uh, one of you will win the bar of Ally handmade soap. So the question for this week, I think um, kind of coming off of this conversation about villains and about Adam, um, I think what I'd love for you guys to tell me, I think this is going to be a challenge for you though, is um, is about Adam. I mean, we talk about him a lot. We love him. We hate him. He's, he's again, like Sharon, he's kind of a divisive character. So I'd like you guys to send me an email and try to describe Adam to me in one word. Because for as complex of a character as he is, I think it would be interesting to try to come up with one word that sort of summarizes the essence of Adam, if that's even possible. I mean, again, we start, you know, we can't really categorize people as one thing or another. A lot of these characters are very complex. So I think it'll be a challenge to come up with that. So I'm going to give you my email address in just a second. And you can just type in a quick email. Give me, you don't have to overthink it. Just let me know if you can describe Adam in one word. Only pick one. You can write it in the subject line or write it in the body uh, of, the, of the email. And here is my address. It's Allie, A-L-I, at Y-R-Chat.com. So again, Allie, A-L-I, at Y-R-C-H-A-T, Dot com. Send me the email anytime uh, before the end of day on Friday and I will put your name into the drawing and then next Sunday at the end of the video I will draw the winner and you might win this awesome bar of soap for soap fans. Okay, you guys, I think that does it for me for this week. I think your comments are probably the most entertaining part. Uh, I get to a point where it's like, ah, oh, these comments are so good. What can I even offer that's any better than this? But I will continue to try, and I hope you guys continue to comment. So go to yrchat.com. You can leave comments on the blog there. You can also vote in the poll and tell me if you're happy that Patty is back, <laughs> or maybe you're not happy that Patty is back, but yrchat.com will allow you to vote in the poll, leave a comment on the blog, find me on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube if you're listening to the podcast. Uh, you can also find the podcast from there if it's easier for you to listen to YNR Chat. Um, that's up on iTunes. And special shout out to my podcast peeps. I love you guys. Um, you can also call into the voicemail at 309 588 four five six nine and leave a voice comment to let me know what you think about the show so i can't wait to hear from you guys i'm looking forward to hearing your one word descriptions of adam i think that's a little bit of a twist a little bit of a challenge feel free to elaborate but pick your one word <laughs> um and we'll come back next week we'll chat again about the show we'll give away a bar of soap and we'll we'll have more fun <laughs> i love you guys i hope everybody has a great week see you next sunday bye